0: Hi, everyone. This is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Thanks for joining today. The episode is called Dealing with Illness, and I'm going to try to pack in as much stuff as I can in the time that I have, but it is a deep topic with a whole lot of stuff. How do you get prepared for a visit? How do you find the right doctor? What do you say? What don't you say? There's all kinds of things that I want to get into on this topic, so I want to get right into it without delay. Thanks for joining. Let's go. The day that my husband got the, I don't even want to say diagnosis because that took us a while to get a diagnosis. That was, that was actually its own um, extreme sport. <laughs> it was like, it took a long time. And actually, even to the day that he passed, I'm not sure any of us really knew what he had or how it happened. But um, the day that we got the news that he had three brain tumors, I'll never forget, one, the shock, the look on his face, um our babies were i say babies i mean they were seven and ten no they were probably closer to like six and nine i guess at that point um where they they were playing in the room with us and um completely unaware of why we were falling apart um it was surreal it was like time stopped completely and then quickly panic set in and i started just dialing everybody i got on the internet i googled i ooh i made one phone call to my brother um as far as like a family friend or anybody you know because i i think i knew i was in shock and i think i knew i needed somebody to just slow me down um but unfortunately i think if you're looking for that whoever you sort of lay that information on will also have their own um you know i I would almost say grief process that they go through rather quickly um and their own set of like panic and worry and things that run through their mind it's very rare i think that somebody gets news like that and if you're close to somebody you don't um, instantly sort of go into a reaction mode and that's not where you want to be so uh, my advice on this and i've blogged about this topic many times but It's just to stop and take the breath. It actually does matter. It does give you the time to organize your thoughts and make a better plan because what we did ended up getting us in the door quickly, yes, but backwards. And that doesn't always serve you best. so basically what I did we're in the Northeast so the first thing I did was call all the major hospitals that I could think of Brigham and women's um, you know I went down the list every single hospital that I knew had cancer specialties I called them and then it's not as easy as you would think to just get an appointment because a lot of those hospitals actually I think Brigham and women's is the first one that comes to mind that said to me I needed the diagnosis to get the appointment well I don't have a diagnosis I have Three brain tumors on a MRI, and I have a doctor telling me to wait until next month when they have their first available appointment with the primary care, and so he can see us and then see if we can get in with the dermatologist, because it was, they thought at that time, just based on the images, which I've never even heard of this before, but they ended up being right, so somebody in there knew their stuff, um, thinking that it was melanoma, so they wanted to get us in with a dermatologist but first we had to see our primary it was the whole thing it was just slow and not okay with me i just needed answers and i needed answers quick i just felt like i was in panic mode so um (laughs) from there you know it's it's like once i had heard that that process was going to be so long and i called all the major players and they were all wanting a diagnosis but how do you get a diagnosis until you get in with specialists it felt so backwards to me Um, but I can understand how overwhelmed they would be if every single person who had a cyst or a, you know, a spot on an image came through their door thinking they had cancer. And then the people who knew they had cancer couldn't get appointments. And, you know, all these other things were in my mind, but at the same time, this was my person and I was panicked and I needed answers and I didn't know how to go about getting those without too much time passing and potentially that time being you know what took his life so I was desperately trying to just get in and uh, my husband I mean not my husband I'm sorry my brother um, knew somebody who was able to get us an appointment with um, a really important person at Tufts and they were head of neurosurgery and it was backwards because usually you don't start with seeing you know surgeons (laughs) you start The other way around and then eventually you might need surgery but um he was brilliant and he helped us we had though I I don't even like to use the word misdiagnosis it sounds like he did something wrong um every single thing you know you go through a differential diagnosis it's called it's basically where you're kind of weeding out things and and figuring out you know what's left once you've sort of gone through all of the the possible problems and you know (sighs) I was right there with him. Every single box was checked for it to be something called neurofibromatosis type 2 and it looked like that and those are um it's still to several tumors and there is something called an acoustic neuroma just basically fancy words meaning in your ear <laughs> like um a certain type of tumor that you can get that usually goes along with that diagnosis he had that he had everything that i mean <laughs> There was just no way to really have known otherwise it was just he sounded like that and and that was our assumption but um you know surgeries later and really until that tissue came out, we never knew for certain what it was. And then the second he laid his eyes on it, he said, this is melanoma. He knew right away. Um, we still sent it out and did all of the stuff to get, you know, the final answers. And really that's genetics nowadays. Like as far as cancer goes, it's less about, um, pathology. It's more about genetics. They really care about, um, what is genetically not the way it should be and so it doesn't even necessarily like everybody wants to know oh, what is it you know and it's not like this necess- is necessarily it was years ago where it's like oh this is skin cancer this is breast cancer this is it's more of what ch- um genetic um i don't even know how to genetic labels i guess it's the easiest way to sort of i don't want to say dummy it down but like make it simple because it's really overwhelming and um yeah so just the next thing I really want to get into with you is how do you get ready for these appointments so once we had an appointment you know we expected we'd go in have a quick because what do you what is what are you used to in your life you go in for a doctor's visit and it's like a half hour like can probably wait in the waiting room an hour just to get in for 20 minutes to a half an hour with the doctor um, you know and then you're off and then maybe they send you for some lab work on another day or you know Quick blood draw or something that day. I don't know, but um, if you're dealing with something major, just be prepared for an entire day at a doctor's office because one thing can easily spiral to the next, to the next, to the next. I mean, by the end of our first few appointments, I think we had we had seen a dermatologist, um, a neurologist, a neurosurgeon. Um, we'd had labs done. We had um, met with the pharmacy. We, I mean. I could go on and on and on, but it was like, you know, they they looked at his eyes. We definitely did optometry or it was actually an ophthalmologist. Um, it, It was everybody. Everybody knew us by the time we were done. But that was sometimes in a day, you know, you'd bounce from appointment to appointment. And that was always a blessing for us because being hours from home, the more we could pack in in one day in a facility, the better. But it didn't always, it wasn't always what was the plan to begin with. We would get there and then somebody else would be called in because something was seen or, um, you know, something like that, that would happen where we ended up being there far longer than we anticipated. So being prepared for these visits is hard because you don't know what's to come. So be prepared for anything. <laughs> I um, actually have uh, a giveaway that I do for people that subscribe. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But um, that gives you more than what I'm going to tell you right now. But anyway, um, just right off the cuff, you need to have snacks, you need to have drinks, and I'm not talking about soda, and I'm not talking about sugary snacks, I'm talking about the stuff that's going to carry you through, because sometimes you could be there through lunch and dinner, and, um, and not always have time to go get a full meal. So just like a protein bar sometimes we would take with us, um, or some nuts or something that, you know, is like a, something you could snack on, but that will also sort of carry you through. And at the same time we were trying to fight cancer. So we were doing things like pumpkin seeds because it was good to make sure you don't end up with, um, different issues. Anyway, long story short, anything healthy that you could pack in that's going to carry you through is all good. Um, and water, (laughs) water, 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 um, that Is probably my best advice is just the snacks and the water but don't forget your phone charger another little thing but if you're stuck sitting all day staring at a wall bring a book bring a phone charger because you don't want to be stressing out that's cortisol that's being released when you're under stress and that worsens cancer that worsens all these health problems that you could be facing i'm talking about cancer because that was our experience but whatever the diagnosis might be for you whether it's an autoimmune disorder whether it's um als whether it's um you know anything it doesn't matter um you know ms parkinson's i don't know what major illness you might be facing But no matter what, um, it's nice to have something that's a little bit of a distraction, but it's definitely important to not be sitting there allowing stress to rear its head and have you be anxious all day because no one can reach you. Or in my case, like I needed to be available for my kids. Um, I had people watching them and then the day would turn into night and you know I needed to be able to be in touch with them and I needed to make sure I had battery and I needed to make sure that, um, you know, Everybody was in the loop or I could arrange to have them picked up from school and all those things and you don't want to be worrying about it. Um, so that was one part of it. When I got into the visit, this is something that I still struggle with what the correct thing to do is. and I'm gonna have on an upcoming episode um, one of my favorite practitioners that we met with and I'm hoping she can answer this for me because it might be best to just hear it straight from the source. (laughs) But um, I wonder often about how much or how little you should share with the doctors or whoever the practitioner is, not necessarily a doctor, but about how much medical knowledge you may have, because most people figure out along the way that it's helpful to bring somebody with them that has medical knowledge because it's easier to have somebody who can translate things and, uh, ask the right questions and all of that stuff. So usually, and if you haven't found a person like that, try to find somebody like that to come with you. Um, and then it comes down to how much do you reveal to your practitioner about how much you know. So I'm chatty by nature. Go figure, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> but um, I think I thought that if I led with the fact that I had medical knowledge, that they would then uh, talk to me in a way, like I didn't want them to leave things out. I was fearful that like they would think, well, you know, they don't understand what this means, so therefore I'm not gonna, you know, worry them about this or tell them about this. So I wanted them to know I understood. But there's a couple sides to that. When you reveal that you have medical knowledge, a couple things can happen. Sometimes uh, practitioners will brush up. And I know this because I was that practitioner (laughs) when I knew I had a doctor on my caseload or a nurse or somebody else who was a physical therapist because I'm a physical therapist or an OT or anything where I knew they knew stuff about the body. I always brushed up a little extra for those days just in case the crazy questions came out, (laughs) you know, just in case there was something that like it had been a while since I had seen this rare, um, you know, disease in this person's wrist. And I just wanted to make sure that I was all brushed up on all things, you know? And so I think in my mind that kind of stayed with me that, you know, I want them to make sure that they're like on top of their game (laughs) too. Like that was, that's important. But then there's the other side of it where this is what happened. I think with me is that as soon as I shared that, or I think my husband probably did actually, because he was always proud of me and wanted people to know what I did and that I understood. And, and he wanted to bow out. It was like his way of saying, I'm the finance guy. She's the medical person. Tell her, explain it to her. But it was also his way of being like, Hey, she knows her poop. So, you know, (laughs) let's say it, say it straight. But um, I think what happened was they didn't explain as much because they had assumptions that I knew and I didn't know as much, about cancer and oncology at that time, as I did about, like, I knew the inner workings of the body, the nerves, the blood vessels, all that stuff. I mean, I could, I could have gone on and on about, you know, what blood vessel gave, um, you know, the blood supply to different areas and what I, like, I would probably been better off in the surgery room than I would have been, like, when you're talking about cancers, Oh my gosh. And and the world is ever changing. Even from the time that my husband had his appointments till right now, the field has changed tenfold. Uh, I mean, more than tenfold. It's just in an entirely different field. So you have to be up on your stuff constantly, which is why initially, you know, my website is Can You Cure Cancer? And my goal was to share everything we learned in hopes that the next person would really be able to benefit from everything we learned because we learned a lot. But even since then, it's changed so much. I had this realization that, oh my gosh, I can't, unless you're in that field and touching it and doing it every single day, it's very hard to be on the forefront of what's out there. Um, I still constantly want to give, but in the way of my past experiences and what I've seen and what happened with us, but it's going to be so vastly different if you talk to anybody, um, one day to the next because it's just changing that that often so um the problem was there was assumptions that i knew a lot more than what i did and that's not good either you don't you don't want them to be not saying things that they just assume you know and my questions sometimes i wish i could backpedal now and just sit quietly because you want them to finish their thoughts on things because if they're busy answering your questions, they don't always get to tell you all the things that they normally would have. Um, I know that's a little bit of a strange thing to think about, but if the second you get in there, you have a list of questions. And that's another thing that I give away in my freebie is all the questions that you might want to make sure that you, you know, have brought up in that first visit. But, um, Even before that, you've just got to listen. So I would suggest letting them give you their normal spiel. (laughs) Let them tell you all the stuff. And then they'll usually open it up to, do you have any questions? And that's when, well, for one, your mind will probably be racing. And you might have come up with some new questions just based on what they said. But then look at that paper, you know, if you go on and print it out from my site, Um, look at or whatever you brought with you that had questions on it and then go through and say, hey, look look at that. They probably already answered 75% of it, right? So you can take notes, write down next to it, make sure you have those answers because when you're spiraling a little bit, it's very hard to just stay organized, stay on top of it all and not let anything pass you by that later on when you get home or when you finally come to the point of, letting some of your closest loved ones in on what's going on, they're going to have a lot of questions and you don't want to be scratching your head and going, I know the doctor talked about this, but I can't, I can't remember what he said or she said, or, um, you know, just com- you were in complete shock and overwhelm at that point, And you didn't even ask something so basic. So, um, listening is key and the cliche of having two ears and one mouth really rings true that you have to listen more than you talk um also really hearing what's being said uh, and not just listening but really taking it in don't think too far down the line either i was like 40 steps ahead every time they said something, I was already thinking about the implications of what that would mean. And you really do just have to sort of stay there and in that moment because you don't want to miss key things in the now because you're worried about the later, you know? And there were definitely things that came up in our first visits I mean, for us, our first visit, its this is a great story. I like to tell little stories along the way of actual real life things that happen. But um, so here we go to this appointment and of course we're thinking three brain tumors, this is cancer. And then we get into the appointment and on, on the elevator ride upstairs from the parking garage, my husband looked at me and he said, he's gonna say this whole thing is just a misdiagnosis. They're wrong. It's not melanoma, it's not cancer. It's actually something else that's minor and no big deal. And my brain went to like, oh my gosh, he's like lost his mind. He's so delusional here. This is he has no grasp on this. (laughs) Like, this is not good. I was like, okay. (laughs) You know, he's like, no, really, that's what's gonna happen. Like, all right, he must have said it three or four times. We get into the doctor's office. It's taking what feels like forever to have him review those discs with the MRI images and we're waiting and we're looking at each other and we're, you know, trying to make small talk and we're literally like on the edges of our seat going out of our mind. And he comes in and sits down and looks at my husband and says, I think this is a misdiagnosis. I don't think it's melanoma. I don't think it's as big of a deal as what they think it is. Almost exactly what he had said to me in that elevator and I thought I was going to pass out. So that night, let's just say we went downtown Boston and celebrated. I mean, celebrated as much as a couple people that still know that he has three brain tumors, um, you know, could celebrate. We weren't really, you know, it wasn't a crazy night in the town, but we were certainly like we have pictures of us sitting at this restaurant on the streets, downtown Boston with smiles on our faces and oh, just like that breathing that sigh of relief. So grateful. Um Sorry, that's my French bulldog. (laughs) You can hear his little ticking feet. (laughs) He thinks he's my partner in crime on this. You here to support me, buddy? (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm surprised, actually, this is episode eight, and this is the first time he's intrusively um, interrupted during me recording one of these. (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, we were just... um, we were a little delusional, sure. We wanted to just believe. If if you're thinking the worst has just happened and then all of a sudden this breath of fresh air comes in and says, oh, just kidding, by the way, it's not even that bad. It's just this, you know, smaller thing. You will grab onto that for everything you have. You will cling to that and be like, that is the God's honest truth. That's fact. All right, we've overcome this, you know. So we, we clung onto that for everything we had. Um, you know, and then sometimes with good news comes more bad news. So we knew that at that point, this is not, um, cancer. It was, you know, this neurofibromatosis type two, and that is not as big of a deal, but it's still a big deal. And, um, and also genetic, which meant, you know, our kids had a 50, 50 shot and having two kids, it probably meant one of the two would have it also. So it was like grieving that and accepting that but also celebrating the fact that we thought we were going to be able to at least keep all of our family members, even if we had some roads ahead of us. So life always hands you twists and turns. And on these doctor visit days or whoever your practitioner may be, just be prepared and buckle up because they can go any which way and you never know what's coming. Being prepared is absolutely key. So on that note, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get into a little bit more about preparing for these visits. And, um, I want to talk about as a practitioner myself on the flip side, what it's like when you have people come in and just give you that perspective as well. So don't go anywhere. Okay, guys, here we go as promised. So if you want more information on questions to ask your doctor at a major visit, if you have questions on how to prepare, what, what to pack, what to have ready, any of those things, I want you to have that as a freebie from me to you. Go to HTTPS colon slash slash. It's got that HTTPS colon slash slash. Can you, Y O U cure cancer.com. That's my website. As soon as you get on there, if it says start here, you can click there. There's a few different places on the website where you can sign up. doesn't matter, but wherever you see subscribe, Don't let that scare you off. Subscribe doesn't mean I'm going to take your email and send it out to all of these crazy places and you're going to get bombarded with emails. No, 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 no. You can even ask around (laughs) anybody who has subscribed with me. It is very, very few emails. When I send them, it's because I have something exciting to share with you. Right off the bat, you get a little free mini series. So you do get a a bunch right away. um, that just gives you a little lesson on something that I think is important. Um, But you can subscribe in two ways. You can either subscribe on the cancer side. I say cancer, but it's really you could use uh, my tips for any major illness um, to have questions to ask and what to bring and all that stuff. So that would be the side you would want to subscribe on. Um, Or if it's more grief stuff that you're looking for, then you could subscribe on that avenue. But you get a freebie right away, sent right into your um, email that you give me. And it's going to give you all this stuff for free subscribe doesn't mean you're in a subscription it doesn't mean you have to pay it's free it's free it's free it's always free i just want to give this away this is the information that i want you to have and i want you to benefit from so make sure you go and check it out all right now back to the show okay so as i always put in the description but just to reiterate i am not your doctor i am not an oncologist this is not medical advice i'm not telling anybody what to do these are just my stories my experiences so that being said I am a physical therapist. I have my doctorate in physical therapy. I'm not a practicing physical therapist any longer. I am just telling you from my past experience, being the one in the room, doing the intake, asking the questions, I want to tell you some of the little things that I noticed along the way. So one is that people often think, because you have your doctorate, you are the most knowledgeable person for them to see. And I got to tell you, that's not true. Um, I had my doctorate and I, at one point, was the one with the highest degree and the least experience in the room. And that's true of a lot of professions, but um, for physical therapy, a decade ago or more, um, when it first started changing over from a bachelor's degree to a doctoral degree, a lot of the more experienced therapists still just had their bachelors. And then a lot of the newer graduates were coming out with doctorates. For me, I graduated with a master's, um, and then I went back and got my doctorate. So I was actually working when I uh, got my doctoral degree. But my point to this is there was always people that thought if I see, if I'm going to see anybody in your office, I want to see the one, like they went through, you know, online and would see everyone's degree and then request to see me just because I had my doctorate. And I find it very interesting because oftentimes it would be, and I blogged on this, so you if you've already heard this story from me, it's probably because you've read the blog, which I love. But um, I, I would say mo- most often the people that wanted that were of an older generation. So here, you know, you picture these geriatric, patients coming in requesting me because I have my doctorate. Well, not always because a lot of the the older men only wanted to see men, but (laughs) it's a whole nother story. But anyway, a lot of the elderly were asking to see me and it was because of that. And the ironic part is getting my doctoral work, really one of the only things, I mean, I had some imaging classes so you could read x-rays, MRIs and CAT scans and blood work and all of those things. Um, And Beyond that one of the other major things was a another big research project. I had to do well Ironically mine was on women's health because that's really where my specialty was in large part um, And using physical therapy techniques to help people achieve and maintain a pregnancy (laughs) So it was so funny to me that these people were coming in requesting to see me because they knew I had a doctorate and yet like, where were my expertise? Nowhere near what they were needing at the time. They would have been way better off with someone else in our office who had had, you know, a million knee replacement patients or whatever. But the story is just to highlight the fact that you don't want to look at what somebody has for letters after their name as the sole reason that you want to see them. There's so much more that goes into it. There's so much more. And there's pros and cons. And if you're interested in it, just check out my blog. But to both sides, I really think, to having a newer graduate versus a uh, more experienced practitioner. So either way, um, if you're interested, check that out. But uh, I just wanted to say that because I thought it was kind of funny. And the other thing is, I used to, speaking of just from a, a practitioner's point of view, I told you already how I would in fact, study up a little bit more before I was going to treat, like, you know, obviously a referring physician who was the one who was giving me all my clients. I wanted him to know I knew my stuff. But um, also, I think it's interesting that the patients that came in with a lot of questions were the ones that I always brushed up a bit for. So that's just something to really consider is that if you are a patient, be knowledgeable. I'm not saying go out there and Google things to death and scare yourself to death. I'm saying just be knowledgeable enough to be able to ask good questions because when they know you're an intelligent person who cares about your own health, they're going to put in a little extra effort to be prepared for those questions because they know they're coming. Here comes my dog again. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it's important. And I don't recommend like I said before interrupting and not letting them you know talk and always asking big questions and thinking that they're going to think you're you know more important <laughs> than you are just because you you know you ask all these big fancy questions it's not it at all it's not some big competition or show off moment it's none of that but being educated is is good you want you know I I do think that practitioners tend to, whether they admit it or not, be a little more brushed up and ready for the people who come in filled with questions every time. So it is good to have a few questions and not just be like completely dependent upon your practitioner for everything. So that's one part of it. The other thing is I say this quote all the time. I would say it to every single patient of mine because I wanted them to be well aware of this. Don't fear the practitioner who looks at their books, fear the one who never does. And here's why I say that. Because I have so many techniques in my head, I cannot possibly recall each and every one for each and every diagnosis on the spot. I mean, the ones that you do often, yeah, of course, those are things that you, you don't really even have to look at anything. It's just in your head. You've done it a million times. But Really good practitioners have a really big toolbox, and the bigger that toolbox is, there is no way, I'm telling you this, no way that you can recall everything on the spot. I don't care if you do have a photogenic memory, it is constantly changing, there's constantly new techniques, and if you have a really good practitioner, they should be glancing at their notes from time to time. They should be looking in some books. I always had a stack of binders, books, and things in my office and would always refer to them. And that didn't mean I wasn't prepared. Oh, my dog, I'm so sorry. This episode is hilarious. This episode is Heather Leonard and Stitch. <laughs> oh, he has no idea he's not one of the hosts of the show. Sorry about that. Now you're going to hear him snore. So um, I always had a million books and I was never afraid to look at them because and I always looked at them right in front of my patients. I mean, some some doctors and practitioners will probably leave the room, glance at them and come back in. I always did it right then and there because I wanted my patients to see it. I wanted them to know, listen, I have a lot of information and I'm paying attention to your case. I am doing the work. I am making sure this is specific to you and I'm not doing the same protocol, the same like template on every single patient that comes through. I'm not, I'm definitely not. I'm gonna look this up for you. I'm gonna figure it out and we're gonna do this together and I'm not afraid to take my stuff out. (laughs) Like I just, there's no reason to be so secretive about it. The fact of the matter is good practitioners look things up, too. So don't think, oh, my goodness, this person looks so young and now they are there with their books out. They don't know what they're doing. That's not true. It's really not true. And people would send patients to our office specifically because we did the things that most people wrote off as untreatable or, you know, beyond whatever, I, mean, I don't know, the wording I would read would really turn my stomach. I tried not to pay too much attention to it, but usually there were people that were being written off as far as being able to be managed in any kind of rehabilitative way. So they were coming to us as like a last ditch effort and we had a lot of success. So I'm telling you right now, we saw the most difficult cases and we saw a lot, a lot, a lot of people turn it around and get outcomes that the doctors were shocked at. So, you know, that's another thing to to say is that if we're being totally honest, there are times where the doctor would refer a patient to us with a diagnosis that then we didn't agree with, and that's a hard thing. So you're going to have one of two different types of situations there. You're going to have either a very confident physical therapist or, you know, nurse practitioner or whatever it is that you're, you know, or chiropractor or it depends on what service you're getting, but... Who is confident enough to go back to the referring doctor and say, "I don't think it's this. I think it's this because da 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 da," um, or you're gonna have one who's gonna roll over and give you the same treatment that they do for every rotator cuff injury, for every person with you know Parkinson's disease, for every whatever. But if you have a really good practitioner who's confident in themselves they should be comfortable enough to pick up the phone or write a note to the doctor who referred it and say i'm not seeing that and here's the part that's crazy to me because a lot of people were like well no that's like our bread and butter right these referring doctors are the ones that give the diagnosis and give the patient turn them over to a physical therapist occupational therapist chiropractor because they can't diagnose those on their own as far as our scope of care we are dependent upon the doctor sending a person to our office, unless it's a private pay situation. Insurance companies will dictate that the doctor referral needs to be there. So a lot of people don't wanna go up against a doctor who's said one thing and make them angry by saying, I don't think that's right, I think it's this, because they don't want that doctor to then say, I'm not referring to them anymore, I'll send them over to such and such office instead. But the problem with that is, you're not getting the care you deserve. So you need to make sure whoever you see is confident in themselves and is willing to go to bat for you, basically. So I'm just saying this this is a little side note, but um, just something that I saw throughout the years that I found really interesting that some people just would not ever go back and say, I don't think this is what's going on. Well, I had a patient sent to me who was having extreme pain on her scalp and in her neck, and she had a headache, and she had all these strange symptoms, but... I want to say she was sent to me for like a pinched nerve, a cervical nerve, like in her neck. And within one visit, I took one glance at her and I sent her right back to her doctor and said, I think it's shingles. You need to turn around and go back to your doctor's office right away. And thank goodness I did, because guess what? I was pregnant at the time and you're not supposed to be exposed to people with shingles. But I knew it, I, I had seen it before. I recognized the patterns. If you have somebody who's really good at what they do, they should be able to confidently say, I don't think it's this. And then I just wanted her doctor to take another look once I had all the information that I could gather. Because once I had that information, they agreed immediately. And then immediately she was able to be treated in the way that you know would actually work what good is it going to do if I spend all that time working on her headache and her neck pain when it was all coming from this shingles virus? Nothing, right? Absolutely nothing would have come out of it. So this stuff is important. And for you to get the right care and the right diagnosis, you just have to have a team that communicates well, that's confident, but that's not, you know, like, I mean, you also don't want the overconfidence, right? Somebody who's like, (laughs) just running with whatever. I would always suggest, I would always turn around and say, Hey, here's what I'm seeing. What do you think? And that conversation is worthy of having. And the best part for me was anytime I did that, I was always received. I think maybe one time I had a doctor who was just like, no, you know, and didn't hear me out. But um, almost every time with the right doctor and the right team, I was always getting uh, you know, good responses and it opened the door. And all I ever heard from the physician side of it was, I'm so grateful to have the communication. Thank you for reaching out. I don't think that they got that enough. I think that oftentimes the practitioners were not doing that. And that's frustrating to them because sometimes it's just, they they might have patients every 15 minutes and I had a whole hour for my evaluation. So I was able to see things, hear things they didn't. Or maybe the patient shared things with me they didn't share with their physician. Like they told me something just in the history that made me go, oh my goodness, I know what's going on here. And they had had that advantage of hearing that part of it. So that's something to consider too, is like you're giving different information to everybody, but all these pieces need to be put together to really figure out what's going on for you. So as a patient, be very forthcoming, information that you don't think matters probably does matter. (laughs) You know, the history of past viruses or diseases and things like that, those are important things. And sometimes people think, well, that doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And if you're being put on, let's say, a blood thinning medication, I mean, it's majorly important that they know that you're taking a fish oil because fish oil can have an implication that is, it's like, contraindicated. They shouldn't be done together, right? So you have to say all the things, even if you don't think they relate. Even if you think that it's just a tea, it doesn't really matter. They're not going to care. They care if they're doing their job right. They're going to care about all those things that can affect the way your body's working. Because anything that might dilate or make a a blood vessel bigger or more wide open, or anything that might um, potentially cause headaches, or if there's anything that you're taking that Uh, could be affecting your glucose levels. I mean, there's so many things and you don't always know them because a lot of the natural supplements, because we were on all of the natural supplements and I told my doctor every single one of them painstakingly, every ingredient in every single one of them, but they all could have interacted with something and it's so important that you tell everybody so that everyone knows. And some people are fearful of that because some doctors will say, I don't want you taking anything else while you're receiving, like, let's say this chemotherapy or something. Um, Our doctors were amazing and very, we were very grateful to have them allow us to continue doing the things we were doing, but they did look into everything we were doing. And I think in my husband's case, there was also the awareness that there wasn't a ton that could be done for him. They didn't say that at the time, but I got to think that played in, Um, just knowing that you know, I'm not sure if this is going to even work for him anyway. What's the harm in allowing him to continue with this, you know, weird tea and strange mushroom or whatever? <laughs> you know, what I mean, I'll, I'll get into all these things as, as this uh, goes on. But I had a lot of things he was taking and I reported every single one of them regardless, because guess what? You could report it to them. Let's say you don't want to because you're afraid they're going to take you off of it and there's no way I'm going to stop it. I'm confident this is the only thing that's helped me so far. Fine. Still tell them you're taking it and then hear what they have to say, because what might surprise you is they might actually say it's fine. No big deal. Keep taking it, which is great because now that communication line can be open Or they could say, I would like you to stop it while you're receiving this because and then maybe they'll explain a little detail to you. You didn't know before, like, you know, this certain thing in the chemo um, is blocked by this certain thing in the supplement. And it would be like, you know, you're going to be getting all the negative effects of the chemo amplified and you're not going to get any of the positive benefits from it if you're taking this. What if that was what they said? Then you might actually change your tune. Or, you know, I mean, it's still your health. So at the end of the day, you can still make your own choices. But knowing what you're choosing is important, because if you're choosing to, you know, go against the doctor's implications and you know it could lead to death or blindness, I mean, would that sway you? So I, I know I'm kind of like always harping on this communication with the physician team, but the reason being is not because I don't believe in natural supplements or cures and things like that. And it's not because um, I'm trying to change your mind about anything. I just think that uh, you can get more information by sharing what you're doing with them. And then, you know, ultimately it's going to come down to your decision. But I'm always here to just promote that relationship because I just don't think that it's good to ever box your doctor out of what you're doing, especially because if you're still seeing a regular physician or oncologist, then it's like you are clearly still you're, you're taking the split road of the eastern and western medicine so you're still staying in touch with these doctors so then stay in touch with them make sure you don't cut them off <laughs> and that's off that's tough for some people even some people who have decided you know what i'm not going to do anything to treat my cancer i'm just going to see you know I'm, I'm leaving it to god i've heard people say that before i'm done f- with the fight even still the communication is so important because there's other things you might not know like What if the doctor came back and said, okay, I hear what you're saying, but unfortunately what's going to happen if you don't do this treatment is you're gonna go blind and paralyzed, but you're not gonna pass away. Imagine that. So now you're gonna be stuck in a bed, unable to see anything and unable to move because you didn't do the treatment. Do you see where I'm going with this? It's like there are situations in which your mind might be changed just by having that communication and the talk with your doctor. Just know what you're getting into. You know, um, I'll use the example I'm a type 1 diabetic. So if I was to be like, oh, you know what? I'm done fighting this fight. My heart's broken from losing my husband. If God wants to take me, I'm just not going to take my insulin anymore. And if it's my time, it's my time. Guess what? I would likely not pass away immediately. I'd likely be blind, have nerve damage, so I have extreme pain in my body and then eventually lose my arms, legs, like lose my limbs and still be alive and a burden on my children. <laughs> right. So the, the reason I bring this up, that wasn't like a true statement. like I, But I'm just saying like that that's what I'm, the alternative can sometimes be. And you need to know the picture, the whole picture and what you're signing up for before just saying, well, well I'm just going to let the cancer take me. Speak to your doctor and just hear what hear the whole story. Know the whole w- different paths and ways in which this could play out if you make the choices you make always. So that way you're making a really good educated decision for yourself. So all kinds of stuff again today, guys. Uh, I love the topic and could go on and on with so many stories about when we had to choose a doctor, get prepared for visits, the ins and outs of so many hospital stays we went in an emergency situation sometimes other times it was like by choice other times covid limited us so we had to do virtual visits like i've got stories for days and i hope that in the seasons to come i can share so much more with you guys but today was really fun for me and as i said i've got a lot of stuff on my website around all this tons of blogs on it and also giving out lots of free information for people that subscribe subscribing's free don't think that I'm going to be charging you for this I just want you guys to have the information be prepared for those visits and do what I can to just keep kicking cancer's butt and any other disease that wants to like you know mess with us I want to keep putting the you know putting myself in the path of this destruction and see what I can do to just make a little impact for you guys so thanks so much for listening to me today and I can't wait to do this again with you next week all right thanks again guys bye